G'day, welcome to Partake Ministries in our current series, Issues. Today we are going to look together at self-interest. Paul writing in Philippians chapter 2 verses 4 and 21. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Those verses written by Paul almost 2,000 years ago, still resonate loudly today. In our culture, particularly in the West, selfish individualism is endemic and rife. We hear people say, I can do what I want, when I want, if I want, because I am right and I am always right. Me, 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 people cry through their actions and attitudes. Where material possessions take precedence and the desire for more is ever evident throughout all aspects of life. The interest of others is placed at the bottom of the pile. People are placed below possessions. These are 21st century gods and idols. The god of the 21st century is me, it is self-interest, and humanity bows to this God quite willingly, because it offers no threat. And its very source is pride. Their actions and attitude proudly proclaim, I am first, and everyone else is last, after me. As Christians, what should our reaction be to this aspect of our culture? As Christians living within this society culture, how are we and the church to respond? Within the Gospels there is the story told of Jesus' encounter with a man who runs up to him and falls on his knees before him. It's quite dramatic. Matthew 19 verse 16 to 26 describe him as a young man. Mark 10 verse 17 to 22 This man is simply a man. And in Luke 18, verse 18 to 27, he is described as a wealthy ruler. Put all together, that makes him a rich young ruler. This man wants eternal life. He wants it now. And so he asks Jesus about how to get it. This young man had fully kept the commandments listed by Jesus. However, when Jesus said to the young ruler that in order to follow him, he would have to give up all his wealth and possessions in order to have treasure in heaven and eternal life, the man left disconsolate. His life reflected his absorption with self and his own self-interest. That was a step too far for the rich young ruler. He wanted his riches and also eternal life. But Jesus said he couldn't have them both. This man remains the only man who left Jesus' presence full of sorrow. And that was due to his putting trust in his riches and wealth alone. Now riches are not necessarily wrong, but they do make trusting fully in God very difficult. One of His primary problems 
was that he was not content with what he had materially. This rich young ruler always wanted more, and possessions were more important to him than people. This rich young ruler was not willing to make the sacrifice required in order to follow Jesus and have eternal life. And this attitude is endemic throughout our society, and sadly in some sections of the church. But what is the countercultural response that Christians in the church should be making? Paul commands disciples to be content with godliness. 1 Timothy chapter 6 By combining contentedness with godliness, Paul means not being worried about anything, because Jesus Christ is to be your all-sufficiency for all things. Paul says this because he, he knows we came into this world with nothing and that we will leave this world with nothing. The bare necessities for contentment of life are food, clothing and shelter, according to Paul. However, we could in the 21st century, with some justification, say that some other things are also necessary. Cars, books, even computers may well be a necessity these days. That is up to our own individual consciences. But what we need to do when considering purchasing things is not so much to ask, can I afford it, but rather, can I justify it, and could the money be better used elsewhere? Further on in 1 Timothy 6, Paul states that we are not to desire riches, lest we fall into the temptation of coveting and wander away from faith of God, as well as not to love money, because it is the source of all kinds of evil, And every day Christians pray that God would not lead them into temptation. And you know what? He doesn't need to, because they do that quite easily enough by themselves. And those that are rich are not to flaunt it arrogantly, and they are certainly not to place their hopes in it. Those who are rich are commanded to be also rich in good deeds, to be generous and sharing building up treasures in heaven instead of earthly rubbish. I should hasten to add that contentment should also carry with it the idea of living simply, in sympathy and solidarity with the poor of the world, the destitute. Every one of us could to some degree live that little bit more simply. That is contentment with godliness. The contented person exudes humility. He says, God is first, others are second, and I come last. And he puts people before possessions. They have placed their total trust in God alone and not in their material possessions. It's so easy to fall into the trap of saying, if only I had that new computer, camera, a new car, or an easier job with more money. It's so easy to say these things and forget to be content with what we have. And it is even easier to forget to say thank you to God for giving us all our good things in the first place. We are the ever thanking for friends and all the material blessings he does provide and the pleasure which we gain from what he has given us. 
A key question to ask ourselves when seeking biblical contentment is could I really thank my Lord for this particular item I want? By showing we are content, whether because we have much or because we have little, we reflect a difference to a world which is all about gaining more and more things. In a culture where the order is myself first and others last, as Christians we are to counter this and put God first, others second and ourselves last. By being content with what we have, we reflect that we are comfortable with what we have. The culture around us needs to see Christians living with contentment that only comes through trusting actively in Jesus Christ. This contentment is expressed by placing the interests of others first and above self-interest. Placing people before possessions is contentment displayed and an antidote to self-interest. They need to see Christians sacrificially loving each other, which is the outcome of being content with godliness. They need to see Christians in the church being loving, caring, kind, compassionate, and putting people ahead of material objects. If people see Christians that are not doing those things, rightly or wrongly, the whole church is branded as a bunch of fakes, and hypocrites. Worse still, God is seen at best as nothing more than a distant, uncaring, and increasingly irrelevant myth. People should be seeing God's love through your love and godly contentedness. For as Jesus said, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We are commanded to love regardless of what or who the other person is or does. Godly contentment, which is humility in action, is part of unconditional love in action, unabandoned love for God and unconditional love for others. Too often, even within the church and the lives of professing Christians, financial profit, the seeking of possessions and pleasure, and wanton greed takes priority over people, any people. When that occurs, that means the church has compromised and been compromised. They are no better than that rich young ruler who left Jesus' presence because the demands were too great. Don't be like that rich young ruler, but rather seek to emulate Jesus Christ, who was the most content person ever to have lived. We are commanded to be in the world, but not of the world. And we can do this only by exhibiting contentedness in action, through love to a world and culture that is in dire need of our Almighty God. The antidote to self-interest? Godly contentedness. For more to think about, please do ask yourself the following questions, writing them down if you can, and see how you respond or react to them. Then why not share your answers with your spouse or a close friend, so that you can pray over any issues together. Question 1. How can I show others that I am content with what I have? Question 2. What would others say if they could see how and why? I buy things.
Question three. Do I ever ask myself, can I justify it and could the money be better used elsewhere rather than can I afford it? Thank you.